Coffee Break, where Helena comes to talk. Welcome into Coffee Break. I'm Troy Shockley. Thanks so much for hanging out with us this morning. I do appreciate that. And we've got a fantastic show on tap. Maestro Alan R. Scott, our guest in the studio this morning. You know him, you love him, and I'm glad he's back. And as a bonus and a real treat, we're also joined by, uh, you know, we don't get to say it very often on this show, but world-renowned. We've got a world-renowned guest in the studio. I like it. Uh, it. Thank you both for taking time to hang out with us this morning. I know very busy right now. You've got a show tomorrow. We do. Good morning. Good morning. I'm pleased to have Claire Wanchi with me, one of my dearest friends, and uh, yeah, and a, and a treat for Helena, but not a stranger to Helena because no, um, she's been here many times and uh, was not originally scheduled to be here this season, but because of COVID, um, I called her several months ago and we decided to uh, bring her back, and um, she'll be tomorrow night, seven thirty, no charge on YouTube at the Helena Symphony YouTube channel and to perform one of the most epic piano concertos ever written. Yeah, the uh, Helena Symphony continuing season 66, part two. Uh, it's on. It all kicks off tomorrow night, uh, as Alan said, 7.30 on YouTube. It's streamed live. It's part of the home stream. Uh, I wrote it down because I'm going to forget the whole title. The home stream, your Helena Symphony, uh, presented by AARP Montana, our good friend Tim Summers over there. And uh, we talked about this the last time that you were here, of course, but while you'd prefer to have a live in the building audience, you've seen these performances streamed to thousands of, of homes worldwide. Really, it's not even across Montana or across the region; it's worldwide. Yeah, we we had no idea what to expect, frankly. You know, because people like the Berlin Philharmonic have been streaming since the internet was started. Mm -hmm. Most or and the Metropolitan Opera has been streaming, and it's, that was sort of our model: the backstage, the close-up shot, the shot seeing the conductor from the front, the soloist, as if you were sitting on the piano bench with them, um, and the orchestra as if you're like literally moving to different sections of the orchestra. Yeah, there's the occasional, what they call the whole shot from the, from the back of the hall to see the whole orchestra. But that's what you see normally when you're in the hall. Right. We wanted to give, we're not trying to duplicate or replicate the concert hall experience. You can't do that. It's a different energy. We're trying to innovate the concert hall experience whereby you're getting backstage interviews, you're seeing um, Claire and I, literally, as we come out of our dressing rooms, um, you're going to see us, what we're doing backstage. You're going to see when um, the orchestra from the inside out. And it's a completely different experience. And we just didn't know what to expect. We decided they were just giving it away. Yes, we lost a quarter million dollars doing it. But and um, but we decided it was really important because, you know, um, even through COVID, our, our mission, our why doesn't change. We're here to engage, enrich, and transform lives through music. And... Um, and if, if that means that we have to bring it to your home, that's what we'll do. Well, and the why is maybe even more pronounced now, isn't it? In fact, that's we changed our mission after since 1955. Yeah. We've been leaning towards it, and but the COVID really made us change it because we said, why do we exist? Do we is it just is it, the, the the bringing people to a concert hall is the what? And nonprofits, um, or as I like to say, don't call them nonprofits, call them for engagement. Um, don't tell me what you're not, right? <laughs> so I, you know, what we do is it's not. The what is, is is the actual concerts, the performance, but the why is different. And our why didn't change. Um, we just had to change the what and the how. And so um, we believe that, you know your your lives are better because of music. And we believe at all all kinds of music, not just symphonic music. And that we believe that you know experiencing live performance, even if it's through 
uh, about the, the television set and seeing it on the comfort of your own home, chilling out in your pajamas, drinking and popcorn or whatever it is. That's still that's still just as impactful, and we believe this. We can make a difference in your life. Yeah, yeah. Performance uh, late last month, another successful performance, and another one coming up as we mentioned tomorrow evening. And you get to feature one of Helena's favorite soloists, and just just as thing as, as the uh, the dominoes fell and the pieces moved, uh, as you said, you got to bring her back. And before we get to hear from Claire. Um, she gets to listen to you talk about her, which I think is fun. Um, we'll put both of you on the spot. I mean, for those that haven't heard her, what's in store for the audience tomorrow? Well, <clears throat> I'm very biased, obviously. That's okay. Um, and um, Claire and I were just discussing this on another um, pro- on another uh, TV spot. And we've known each other for 20 years since she was 10. And I was whatever. And... Um, <laughs> and um, we met, she was, she was a child and she was, she won a competition that I was the president of the jury of and we got to perform together and uh, we've been performing together since. So, um, um, I know what Claire is capable of even when she was 10 and it's all completely different now because, um, now that she has the maturity of some life. Um, and so that really does impact how you, what you play and, and how you play, but she was a prodigy you know, performing for people like Bill Clinton and things like this around the world. And then has now, even though we're both from Philadelphia, she lives in Germany now. Um, and so you're going to, you know, critics will say, you know, when you go on sometimes Delta Airlines and you could choose the music, sometimes it's Claire Wan that you'll see on, on the thing. Because I've seen that happen to myself. Mm-hmm. But, and his, some critics said it's the fastest fingers, you know, in the world. All that aside, I can speak from personal experience, maybe more than anybody. Um it's one you will feel not not just you'll not just experience the music you'll experience most likely the same connection that I have with her on stage, um, just the way we will watch each other, listen to each other, breathe, look at each other, connect. She lets the audience in there too, um, and you know another great example is Yo Yo Ma is so great for doing that. He he invites you in with a smile or a face, and you just feel you're sitting right next to him. I think Claire has that similar experience. It's she's playing for you. Obviously, she's playing for herself. She's playing for the orchestra and all this, but she's also playing for you. And she mm-hmm. wants—you can tell she's offering you a gift, and you have—and you, you receive it in whatever way you want. It could, what, that's what's great about music. It could mean it could it could mean just that it's beautiful music. It could impact your your faith or your lack of faith. It can impact uh, your life, um, your intellect. And she's offering a gift, and she's going to bring this, these composers to life in a way that's meaningful to her. And puts it on a plate for you to pick up, and so um, that's 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 true artistry, and I think that's what you get to experience. Yeah, Maestro Alan R. Scott, we're chatting with this morning. We're we're going to switch over chairs here in a second, but before we go to the break, Alan, I mean, it, it's one thing to be, and and you t- touch on it there. It's one thing to be technically brilliant, right? And just you you play the notes exactly the right. But there's more to it than that. I mean, music played perfectly, but cold is just that. And, you know, I've, I've listened to a lot of Claire's music uh, online, and she she brings a deep feeling to everything she plays. It's, it's not just the technical perfection. And, and, with the uh, Bra- and the Brahms second piano concerto that we're going to do, it's one of the most uh, – it's sort of the magnum opus of piano concertos because it's one of the longest, about 50 minutes, which is long mm-hmm. for a pianist to, to play straight. It's instead of the traditional three movements for a concerto, it's four, which is like more like a, a symphony. The the orchestra is very much a part of this, um, more than most concertos. And um, the pianist doesn't really stop too much. And, um, and, and Brahms has this very profound depth 
of, of feeling. It's very mature. He's a very mm. mature composer, and it takes um, a true artist to bring that to life. Like you said, um, if anybody could just play the notes on the plays, I can make a computer play it, right? There's a difference when you put a human emotion. There's no way we'll be able to play it twice the same. We will turn every corner just a little different, even when we rehearsed last night. Tonight, we'll turn the corners completely differently, and then tomorrow night and tomorrow morning, and then tomorrow night, it's different again. And that's what makes music because um, when we know people are watching, our energy will be completely different. Yeah. Um, certainly, there's always a nervous energy and that anxiousness, but there's there's a there's an excitement too that we'll bring. We'll bring it to another level. It's not something we say; we just do. We because we can feel the audience, and and it's taken a while for me get to get this, but knowing that there's thousands of people watching around the world, we have people South America, Europe, Asia, throughout North America, and certainly throughout Montana anywhere between three to 8,000 people watching live, um, that's exciting because it's not the, it, why it's always nice to have the applause and we're, we don't have that. What we realize is we still know they're receiving it. They, we still know that there's an energy that hopefully they're, they're really excited about. There are people at home not breathing and you know that's happening. So that that's good. Their, their breath is catching. Uh, maybe if it will help you, I, I can talk to somebody over there. We can get those cardboard cutouts that they put at some of the games. <laughs> we've, ta we've talked about that. <laughs> We'll put some cardboard cutouts in the Civic Center seats. Meister Alan R. Scott with us on Coffee Break. Uh, we're going to take a little bit of an early break and then uh, talk to one of the world's best pianists. She's right here in the studio, Claire Wanchi. Thank you for uh, hanging out for the first half. We're going to get to you. You're not just here uh, to, to keep Alan company. We're going to chat with Claire coming up on Coffee Break. I just wanted to step away from the show for a few seconds to tell you that if you miss an episode, you can always catch up. We're on iTunes, so find our show there or swing by coffeebreak959.podbean.com. Local and area events, city, state, and national officials, your neighbors doing incredible things. We talk to them all on Coffee Break, where Helena comes to talk. In today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, we deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across Montana. Ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com security. back into the show uh that uh that that's not claire but uh that's the piece she's going to be playing uh tomorrow night with the uh, helena symphony and uh fastest fingers in the world you're, you're going to need them on parts of that claire <laughs> how are you you said during the during the break um claire won g with us uh to start the second half and um you said you've never played this piece before no this is 
Uh, tomorrow will be like my premiere of it. <laughs> uh, I know uh, Maestro Scott has played it a um, number of times, has conducted it a lot of times. Um, but when we were discussing potential pieces, I think we were first like thinking of uh, more um, more repertoire that I have in my active repertoire. Right, say. and that's how it usually works, right? Like, yeah. what pieces do you know? Yeah, but I actually am the kind of person that I always like to explore new things. Like, I'm very open to doing it, especially with trusted partners. Um, and for me, this this concerto represented something. It's been in my bucket list for years, but I just haven't found the opportunity or, let's say, also the time to really sit through and um, delve deep into it. It's one of those pieces that you can't, if someone calls you and says, can you play this in three weeks, you can't responsibly say yes. Um, so when um, when this was suggested, I, I thought about it and I thought, yeah, I can't think of a better way to really do a first performance with someone who I've known for so many years, which is also very unique. Um, and also with an orchestra that I've had the um, great chance to work with a number of times. So it's almost like a coming together of two friends and it's much easier to create an interpretation of such a masterpiece. Um, and at the same time, I had a lot of uh, free time <laughs> in my hands to, to delve deeper and to look into the work. Um, so I do feel quite prepared because um, this has been several months in the yeah. Well, no pressure. You're just, uh, you know, your first performance of this in front of the world. So, I mean, no, no, no big deal. Um, you got to listen to Alan talk about uh, about you a little bit there, but it's your turn. I mean, introduce yourself, I guess, to listeners a little bit and tell them, uh, tell them your story. Well, um, yeah, I was born in the U.S. Um, to parents who were not musicians at all, and I started playing the piano just because they told me to. And, um, and as a kid, coming from this uh, Asian family, you know, uh, you had to kind of do things well. And so there was some pressure. Of course, I, I was having like lessons with um, pretty good teachers. And I was supposed to take part in like all these youth competitions, which I did in, in this um, period from age of nine until 12. I was taking part in a number of them. And, and I had the chance to meet Alan when I was only 10. Um, and we were playing this Beethoven concerto. And I remember very well that I was so sick of playing um, this one movement, the third movement, which was what I was always like competing with. Because then, if you win, you only play that movement, and I didn't get a chance to play you the rest. You with of the, the third movement. I think so. Oh. Yeah, I think that that was because that was like the ten minute one, yeah. and then. Um, and then finally it was like, yeah, um, maybe you can play the whole thing in the winner's concert. And that was for me like suddenly I was like, okay, now this piece is interesting again. Now, yeah. now I'm into it again. Um, and anyway, it, it really just escalated from there a little bit because um, for me, I never had that ambition of becoming an international pianist at a young age. I just wanted to have fun, um, <laughs> to maybe like do regular normal kid stuff. Um, but in the years, there are a, a few relationships which have stayed, which have stayed constant. And being a musician, I think it's the same with you, Alan. Like, that's what's so important because we do travel a lot. We mm -hmm. meet all kinds of new people. But we need that kind of, like, inner circle that of people that can tell us things, um, not necessarily that other people would, people that can give us the best advice, and we can come back to that. It's like a safe place. Yeah, you've got those and anchor points yeah, in your and life. This, yeah, and this, what we have here, this is exactly one of one of such things. And um, I, I look up um, to Alan just also for his like inspiration, for his sheer like love of making music um, and his energy. And uh, that's something that inspires me every time we work together. Yeah. Claire Wan Pronounce your last name for me. I want to say it right. <laughs> it's either uh, Huang Si or Huang Chi or whatever. 
Well, no, it's not whatever. You, got, you tell me how, how you know. I, I always ask when kids come on the show. I say, okay, how does your mom want me? You know, is it Rob or Robert? What does your mom want to hear? And that's the correct pronunciation. So you tell me what. There's the American. Guess way. well, like I would say Huang Si. Okay. Um, well, that's what that's what it is then. Okay. That's Claire Huang Si. Um, we talked about how much the audience here in Helena loves you, and it's easy to see why. But there's the other side to that coin, always, right? Like. I know you must, obviously, you talked about having that appreciation, that connection with Alan, but you must enjoy Helena because uh, you're coming back, right? Like, what, what is it about Helena, Montana, when we're talking about someone who performs on the world stage? Well, um, this is, um, Helena, Montana, it's it's a place which I have to say I, I didn't know so much about it um, before the first time I was here. I think the first time was maybe 2014. Um, and I was just really struck by the warmth of the people. Like, there's an openness. Sometimes when you play in, in certain cities where maybe they're a little spoiled with their music, um, like Berlin or London, New York, um, you, you do feel that the audiences have a bit of an arrogant air sometimes. Mm. Like, they're like, yeah, this isn't, no, this isn't kind of our favorite interpretation. And sometimes even I've had it in concerts, they would come up to you and say, like, you did well, but maybe you should do this, this, this <laughs> instead. You know, give you which wow. is in a way also nice because it shows right. they are devoted. But um, you want to like give music to people who appreciate it for its value, for like your face value, let's say. And and I think here people come here with open minds and open hearts, and you just see that kind of pure appreciation. Um, and the first time we played Prokofiev Three, which is anyway like a real show showpiece, um, and I just remember that the heft of the, um, let's say the applause afterwards and such things like you know they stay with you and you know we don't play for applause like Alan said, but it certainly doesn't hurt. It's nice, yeah. <laughs> and it really like gives us a boost. Um, and I remember, of course, so much better the cities which appreciate rather than the kind of colder ones. Yeah. Claire won't see with us this morning on coffee break. What is it you said, you know, you've had some free time. Uh, what has it been like as a performer? Um, the, this is your life is to perform music. And we've just gone through almost an entire year where everything and everyone says, I'm sorry, you can't perform music right now. Uh, what has that been like for somebody? I mean, I think we understand intellectually, but just for you, you that's where you've been. What is that like? Well, last year in February, I quit my job of teaching. I was like an assistant um, teacher in Hanover University. That was where I studied. And I said to them, yeah, you know, I play so much that I don't want to teach anymore. And then like the <laughs> pandemic set in in March. So it was actually like kind of bad timing. Right. I don't really regret that. But um, of course, uh, the year has been uh, with a lot of holes, a lot of holes. I think the summer, I actually was quite lucky in the summer, some things picked up in Europe. So um, I was playing, you know, small things, of course, for like 50 people, 100 people. And then you would sometimes play the same recital program twice um, to reach out to more people. But uh, with orchestra, there was almost like none. Like everything was um, was at a uh, standstill, let's say, for the whole time. Some chamber music. I spent a lot of time uh, in my family house in Pennsylvania. Um, spent a lot of time with my sister, with my dad, with uh, my sister's dog. So th there was just a lot of like simple pleasures, which yeah. I got around to. And, and I have to interject that I was performing in Philadelphia, which is not far from where Claire lives in her house. And all of a sudden, right at the intermission or whatever, 
I, this dog comes to my dressing room, <laughs> yes. and it's Claire was right behind the dog. The Claire was the dog was bigger than Claire. I was, I was and she just came. Sitting. She wasn't performing. She just we're we, I was performing with someone else, and um, she just shows up and with the dog, and we're there in my dressing room and hanging out, and so. It was his first concert. I think he enjoyed it. (laughs) So it's not much different than here at the radio station. We had somebody bring their dog in yesterday. I'm glad to see that doesn't happen just here. That all of a sudden there's a mastiff in the hallway barking. I'm I'm trying to be in here recording. Uh, So so even in this virtual setting, Clay, it's got to be just such a relief to be able to perform. It's not the same but it's but it's a piece of the same. But for for me, this what we have tomorrow, it's as close as it gets because yeah. it is live, and you are fully aware. I mean, there is this electricity, which you walk on stage, and if there's a um, auditorium full of people, you feel that. But also knowing, um, you know, I, I've also watched a couple of these live streams uh, from Helena Symphony. You know how many people are watching, mm-hmm. and for that, you're playing for them, and uh, even if you can't see them, you feel them. And knowing that we're playing live for them, that absolutely gives us this uh, adrenaline for the concert. It, it, it's pretty incredible. We're talking this morning with Maestro Alan R. Scott uh, and uh, also world-renowned musician Claire Wansi. And I have to ask, of all the stages, Alan mentioned it like almost a footnote, like in passing, which is just remarkable to me. Uh, you start your career so young. You performed on so many world stages. You performed in front of the president. I mean, that's got to be, as a 10-year-old, uh, and I just, you know, I know it's a complete side note, but just if you could think back to that moment for us, what, what is that like as a 10 year old performing in front of, you know, one of the most powerful people in the world? Yeah. Uh, you're not really aware of it. Does it sink age. in at a 10 year? Um, no. And no. Even up to now, I, I think back and I remember small, only like small things. I remember that, uh, it was supposed to be only for the first lady. It was like supposed to be an event where, because she was like the patroness of a competition that I had won in Cincinnati. And so it was supposed to be for her. And then it turned out like, oh, the president's free too. So he's going to come by. <laughs> and so we were playing and um, I remember just playing. Do you like, remember what you played? Minutes. Yeah, I, I know there was a Shostakovich prelude and fugue. And there was like Bach Italian concerto first movement. And maybe like one movement from a Mozart sonata or something. But it's short, like 15 minute thing. And what I do remember was walking in and seeing this uh, white piano and I hadn't seen that before so I thought white house white piano <laughs> makes sense there you go and uh, I do remember that actually you know of course I shook both first lady and president Clinton's hands and um Clinton said something to me like uh, president Clinton said something like yeah um yeah do you play some other stuff like jazz or something <laughs> he's a, he's a, should yeah I'm a, yeah and he's, he's, a, a, he's a saxophone player yeah, yeah he's, he's very interested in that and I was kind of like no and he's like you should someday someday <laughs> uh, but uh first lady knew a lot she was kind of like she knew about Shostakovich and she went ask some questions about like repertoire so very knowledgeable. Yeah, it's interesting that as a 10 year old you just oh I'm just I'm here playing in a cool place maybe yeah, maybe 10 years later, later. 10 it, years it feels a little really different. different yeah yeah we're chatting this morning with Maestro Alan R. Scott and uh, Claire Wansi, and uh, they've got a concert coming up tomorrow night. It's on YouTube. It's streaming live, 7.30 p.m. And uh, Alan, get, I, I always have a good time learning about these guys, and, and we only have about four. Actually, we have exactly four minutes left, so you, can you kind of give us the Cliff's Notes? Because I think it helps for people to understand where the music came from. Yeah. <clears throat> so both and there's a little bit of like a there, there's certainly a connection between absolutely these so we're playing for the first piece without Claire it's just the orchestra it's sort of a miniature symphony uh, it's uh, three movements instead of four 
sort of the reverse of the piano. Um, and it's by Robert Schumann, who really made it. He was also he also he and Brahms were really best friends, and and they and Schumann helped launch Brahms' career. He was a music critic, but that's how he made his career, living, and not just as a composer. But he he and he had you know in those days writing in the paper had a lot of power and so he was a music critic and really helped Brahms become famous and believed in Brahms very much also Robert's wife Clara Schumann the fir- one of the first great women pianists in the world was very close with Brahms Brahms we believe was completely in love with her we don't you know there you know he, he would probably he was probably more of a gentleman to probably say it but but um they had a lot of writings back and forth that were quite intimate that were beautiful not not and i don't mean in a, in a in a in a fair sexual sense i mean just in a beautifully emotional connected artistic way that he really cared for her, and she cared for him and robert cared for him robert unfortunately had a lot of problems neurologically and emotionally he would be today is classified as bipolar but but pretty pretty hardcore um tried to commit suicide several times um ultimately checked himself into an asylum they diagnosed it with you know melancholia and then developed syphilis which also affected his, his neurological state and he died fairly young um but we're gonna play his his overture scherzo and finale and it's just really fun and a big smile and then we go to brahm's second piano concerto which is very beautiful and and it sounds easy to the listener but it's it's you can tell it's profound um, but both of these composers are close. They're both what we call romantic composers, um, capital letter R, where they, where an artist puts themselves into their work. And um, I think you'll experience this friendship of Brahms and Schumann and hopefully experience the friendship of not just Claire and me, but Claire with the Helena Symphony Orchestra. And um, I think, you know, we're past, a little past Valentine's Day, but it's just sort of, there's, there's, this is very, this is a concert about friendship. Brahms also deals with his his ailment as a romantic artist was loneliness in effect. His mm. love of his life was his best friend's wife. Yeah, and so you'll hear elements of that loneliness. I think this is appropriate for COVID when we can't be together and and hopefully hopefully help um, with that as well. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> listening to the piece, there's such a dichotomy in there. Sometimes it's soft and slow. Sometimes almost like tense and terse and, 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 and times then to try to be like you, you played earlier just uplifting yeah, a little like bit and, and playful, almost. playful and, yeah. and just to have a little bit of fun and so there's that the third movement has this beautiful cello solo um with the principal cellist and the opening just opens with a single french horn um with the principal horn and then the piano responds this beautiful dynamic i think the very opening is very much about um um, uh, about Brahms and and Claire's even talked about this. And you don't talk about sort of the German aspect that that's buried into most of Brahms' music. I think it's an important little nugget. Um, yeah, you got one minute, Claire. Basically, there is a, a German phrase called "frei aber einsam," which Brahms used like F A E, and he used that in a lot of melodies in his compositions. And uh, free but lonely, and I think that ca- characterizes a lot of his life. Um, in a way, it's like you're happy but you're smiling through tears a little bit. Um, that's a great way of capturing Brahms. Yeah. There's a smiling yeah. like through it. tears. Yeah. And um, I think we all can relate to Brahms. Yeah. Schumann is a little bit more complicated just because of what he went through. But we all know either we've experienced serious depression ourselves or we know people who have. And that's that's a relevant thing today. Of course, back in the 1880s, that's, that was not discussed. But so... Um, I think this concert is really, really relevant for today. Yeah, it's going to be a great concert again. It's tomorrow night, seven thirty. Uh, just look up uh, Helena Symphony. Symphony, I can get it out on on YouTube, and uh, it's a free concert. But of course, donations are gladly accepted. Guys, thanks for stopping by. Thank you.
I'm Troy Shockley, and that's it for Coffee Break today. Be sure to check us out on iTunes. Head on over. Give us a review there. That's always much appreciated. Or swing by coffeebreak959.podbean.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you back here tomorrow.